Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I am back once again, Illegal86, and uh, I'm doing an episode by myself today. There's no one else here. You're not going to hear anyone else. That's a lie. So lonely. See what I did there? I tried to build suspense and it lasted about three seconds. (laughs) Uh, Suspense is a hard thing to build on a podcast because if there's just silence, you're just like me sitting in my own thoughts, people are going to just, you know, turn on something else. Some better podcast. Just kidding. There's no better podcast. You've come to the right place. I am Illegal86. I am joined by Nerd Bomber and Tectic. You hear him. They're also here. None of us are alone. Okay. No one's ever alone. You're never alone as long as you have friends. The power of friendship. Yeah, I was just going to say, what is this? <laughs> Captain Planet? If you're feeling alone, you have us. Uh, I just I want to send a positive message out into the ether today before we get into our, our topics. Look, it's, this is, it's that time of year. All right. Late January. Valentine's Day hasn't come yet. The rom-coms that precede Valentine's Day haven't quite come yet because those can also lift the spirits. Christmas is obviously come and gone. New Year's come and gone. Your New Year's resolutions have probably already fallen apart. And so you're just kind of in this in this black void of low vitamin D. Yeah. Depending on your neck of the woods, seasonal affective disorder, extremely cold, dark all the time. All you're doing is listening to podcasts. And we're glad for that because you're listening to us. But we're sad for that because we want you to feel good about life. And we're going to help you do that today by talking about some pop culture news. In particular, today we are going to be talking about, this is not really much, one of my favorite people in Hollywood. So I, I just, I'm going to say the rest of the things. You can try and figure out who that is that I'm talking about. One of my favorite people in Hollywood we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about Marvel's Avengers, not the movie, nor the comic books. But actually, the video game. Remember that? 2019. We talked about it on the show probably a couple of times. We're going to talk about its ultimate fate. And, uh, of course, one of the bigger trailers from the last week, Mandalorian Season 3. Got a trailer, I believe it was during a football game. I think so, yeah. I actually, I like kind of saw it live, but I was in the middle of doing a home renovation project. So I kind of, actually, I heard it before I saw it. Because, like, I heard it and then I was like, I'll watch it later. And like a week later, I watched it. Pedro Pascal has an amazing, silky smooth voice. Is that... It's so silky. Is that fair for me to say? It's incredible. Anytime uh, I hear I The Mandalorian, though, I'm always like, oh, The Last of Us. And then every, anytime I always hear The Last of Us, I'm like, oh, Mando's back. We're going to talk about The Last of Us later on when we get to our What Are You Up To? There's, we, like, we've now seen two episodes. We're two episodes in, so we have a lot to catch up on. If you haven't seen it, and if you're planning on watching it, I don't know that we're going to go to Spoiler Town. I feel like we might. So maybe pause right now and watch it's like it's gonna take like two hours of your time actually probably like three hours because the first episode is pretty long but it's worth it if you're an hbo slash hbo max subscriber pedro pascal's got it going on let's talk about mando season three first let's talk about this trailer so so first of all mandalorian season three comes out march 1st this is a little over a month away and look my main takeaway from this trailer is i no longer know what's happening and it makes me sad yeah so that, like, I it makes me so sad so when we were watching this trailer i turned to tactic and i was like did we I, like did we watch season two i could have sworn we watched season two but now i'm not so sure and i don't know i feel lost and I, i'm not really sure why because we did watch season two and i'm very confused by what is happening i feel like i should know more than what i'm currently know it's a challenging thing because like uh, you know obviously we know and we've talked many times about what disney is doing both in terms of star wars and in terms of marvel where they're creating this expanded universe where 
and in this in this particular case in order to know fully what's going on you have to have watched the book of boba fett which i did not on top of that mandalorian season two the reason you didn't remember that came out so long ago well that's because they focused on the book of boba fett like they intentionally did did not try to dual release them for this exact reason what i'm confused about is instead of making them two separate shows why not just have that be season three you know the book of boba fett call it like the mandalorian season three boba fett tales or something they didn't i don't know. want to focus on grogu and mando i kind of did you, anyway they didn't ha- they didn't have to like I-, I totally agree and then it's a good idea because guess what boba fett is guys he's, he's a mandalorian. mandalorian that's fair it's still the mandalorian yeah, the show's like, not called mando it would have made so much more sense and it would have broken this weird incontinuity that we have or i guess restored continuity Whatever. I'm going to cackle like a maniac. Is Boba when... Fett really, con- like, would you really consider him a Mandalorian? Yes. Would you, though? For sure. 100%. Isn't he, like, actually a Mandalorian? Yes. But, like, would you, though? Yes. I don't know. I'm going to cackle like a maniac when this show comes out and the numbers are way down and they're like, what did we do wrong? It's obvious. I mean, I like... I, well, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to because... say it here and right now. This is the episode of Illegal Gets His Vindications. He's going to set himself up for this year and he's gonna set himself up for it in a little bit on one of our next topics you're you know you're so right this is gonna this is gonna be a glorious episode for me and yeah we'll get to that more later with we talk about the avengers but i guess like it's all of this kind of puts this trailer in a very interesting light and the industry of trailers in a very interesting light in the sense of like i watched this trailer and like yeah I, i felt some level of investment but how do you couch like the trailer starts and right away grogu is back and you know, if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, you're like, what? what's going on? Like, it, they, they, they can't really set the scene in any way. They can't really give you any context because they have two minutes to show you something or maybe even less time to show you something. I also wonder when the show comes back, that first episode, they're, they're going to do the previously on Mandalorian. Yeah. Are they going to include previously on Book of Boba Fett? They're they going have to, to have right? to. I think they're going to have to do some kind of masterclass and recap work here where they're going to be able to condense the Mando Grogu parts of the Book of Boba Fett down into like five to maybe 10 minutes and front load that first episode because no one who didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett will have any idea what's going on. And unfortunately... And I know like we're all Star Wars fans and we didn't even watch the book of Boba Fett. I can only imagine the amount of people who only watch the Mandalorian because Grogu is heckin' adorable and they don't really care about Boba Fett. They have no tie to Boba Fett, especially like this younger generation who may not have any exposure to Boba Fett in the first place. They may have skipped it altogether and not even realized Grogu was in it. And they're going to have to do some recap magic here because that's the only way you're going to get people to understand what's happening because i sure don't but that's it's it's an interesting question it's an interesting point that you raised which is why did they separate them why didn't they just have four seasons of the mandalorian i have to believe that would do better because i also like i heard book of both that wasn't that good and i heard it had lower numbers than mandalorian obviously if they said mandalorian season three it would have that in itself would have boosted its numbers. It would have boosted summer because I mean people are going to show up. You know, even if you say like that's going to focus on Boba Fett, people are still going to show up thinking like, yeah, but okay, like at some point Grogu is probably going to come back, right? Like, because because I agree, the main selling point of Mandalorian and clearly the big deal through the first two seasons was this freaking adorable. I just cute picture fans, Baby like, Yoda. Yeah, but like like Grogu's coming back. <laughs> just keep repeating it. <laughs> Right. And I'll tell you right now, if they said Mandalorian season three is going to feature Boba Fett, you're damn right. I would have watched probably all of it. I would have showed up the first day it came out and watched all of it because 
putting aside the whole baby yoda thing for a second like at that point mandalorian was a tried and true it was a time tested like i had watched two seasons and i loved it so i would show up for season three which then became book of fat i would show up for that thinking okay i'm gonna at least get some really high quality storytelling like i got from the first two seasons it might be a little Mm -hmm. different because now grogu is gone and they're not focusing on dinjarin but like i'm still gonna show up for this but no they were like we're changing it up we're doing this different thing it's a different story. It's going to be quote unquote disconnected. And I was like, all right, this is my exit. It just, it, it's, it's a bad plan. And I think they probably could have, if they really wanted to do this, I think they shouldn't have tied in such a big plot point to the book of Boba Fett. So for example, if, and this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't watched the Mandalorian at this point, but if Grogu never goes away at the end of season two, if he doesn't go off and try to become a Jedi, right? If he's still with Mando at the end of that season, you could easily skip whatever tie-in happened with the Book of Boba Fett when you see this trailer because there's nothing to explain. It's not like, whoa, how did he get back here? You know what I mean? They yeah. should have self-contained the Grogu Gone. That's what I'm going to call it. The Grogu Gone storyline somehow and not had a tie into the Book of Boba Fett at all. Have them have, like, if you want a cameo in the Book of Boba Fett, sure, go for it. But don't make it a major plot point. Yeah. Here's my tinfoil hat theory. Disney is desperately trying to... This is one of the ways where they're like, okay, we want to make sure people watch all of these shows. Again, why it can't just be one show, I don't know. But this might be kind of the field test of like, all right, we're going to give them a different show that's going to tie in very closely with this other show, and we're going to see if they watch both. Guess what, Disney? I'm not budging. Like, I will not be watching Book of Boba Fett. I might watch Mandalorian Season 3. I'll take the recap. Fine. But you're not like... I, I know your plan is to try and make me watch both of these. Their plan is probably to have me see this trailer and say, oh, crap, I gotta go watch Book of Boba Fett. It's not gonna happen. I'm not going to blink on this one. This aside, you know, this confusion, the whether we Google to figure out what happened in the book of Boba Fett or whether they do a really good job recapping. What did you think of the trailer itself? Like, are you like, I know it's it's difficult to tell because we don't know what happened, but like they kind of tried to hint at some overarching storyline. There's something happening or coming or something. It doesn't look like it's going to necessarily be that kind of like, I don't necessarily want to call it like cowboy westernish type thing where they just go from like setting to setting and more self-contained episodes. But it looks like it's going to have this overarching almost like epic sort of battle conclusion thing. We know what the plot is. They're they're taking back their planet. That's a whole yeah, they're going 100% back to what it is. I mean, we saw them them dropping in as a team instead of, you know, the solo rider that Mando has been. And we know that was the plot point at the end of season two that it was building up to. So we know that that's what it's going to be covering season three. And that looked badass. Them all jumping out of the, the aircraft to kind of wreck shit so to speak i had to make sure i built up the hype for that phrase that was easy boy pregnant pause the other thing that we've also kind of seen from season two coming to fruition is while we know that grogu was force sensitive we've seen him using the force push with confidence and like i said we've seen him use the force before but it was never with confidence it was always out of a anxious or like flight or fight response it was never bam watch yourself foo that's what we saw and that's very exciting so we're trying to kind of see these culminations of these events that were sort of set up in season two and it's all coming to a head here this is i think going to be this 
big epic conclusion of this story arc you're raising a very good point though nerd bomber of like we just spent like 10 minutes talking about the trailer while not actually talking about the trailer <laughs> so, so th- thank you for bringing us bring us back on message but but it yeah i, I think like i love the return of the naboo starfighter i, I like that just i, I don't again he might have gotten that in the lash in book of Fight at some point i love that i think it's one of the coolest ships i'm glad they brought it back uh it looks way better when it's not canary yellow it just looks super kinda, cool so i'm into I that i like the canary yellow the canary yellow is unique but i mean can you imagine a freaking mandalorian flying around in a canary yellow ship beautiful beautiful we see a little bit it looks like i'm guessing that little jedi sequence we saw was order 66 but i guess we don't really know i don't know why they'd be flashing back that far but that was also interesting yeah i'm just like i'm really really I love the idea of them going back to Mandalore and exploring the Mandalorian lore a little bit more because that's what I honestly a little bit of what I was hoping they were going to do from the start. And it's cool. That they're getting deeper into that. I, I think tactic you're right that they're going to maybe move a little bit away from the more episodic nature of the first two seasons. I hope they don't totally abandon that because I think that has a lot of charm, but it's understandable for them to want to do that. The show now has, has its sea legs completely. So yeah, lots to look forward to. And again, March 1st is when this comes out. I, I'm I'm going to watch this. Definitely. I'm not going to watch Book of Boba Fett. I'm not going to do Would you it. watch like the episode or two where Mando ties in? No. No. And, and at this point, it's out of spite. I'm not going to do it because I know Disney wants me to. I'm not beholden to the big corporations. I, I don't think I am. I guess I might be. But in this instance, in this particular case, I don't think I am. So again, March 1st, be on the lookout for Mandalorian Season 3. What did you like in this trailer that we didn't mention? What did you hate? Did you watch Book of Boba Fett? If so, can you maybe walk us through it? Yeah, give us, give us like that one. crash course. Boba Fett 101. At Online Warriors 1 is our main show account. At OW Elite 86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber are our host accounts. Did you guys, are you guys going to watch Book of Boba Fett at all? Do you think? Do I love Baby Yoda? Absolutely. Do I also love oh, yes. five minute YouTube videos? Absolutely. Yeah, this could be a five minute YouTube video situation. I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. If look, if you watch any of the book about that episodes, your your corporate shills. Sorry, that's just I don't make the rules. That's how it works. So yeah, March first, be on the lookout for that. You know who writes the music for the Star Wars stuff? Actually, he doesn't write the music for Mandalorian. Ludwig Göransson, who's amazing, by the way. You guys know who I'm talking about? Johnny Dubs, as we like to call him in this household. John Williams has done not only the Star Wars movies, he has also done Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Schindler's List, E.T., Saving Private Ryan. And most of those movies that I just mentioned, except for Star Wars, really, are Steven Spielberg movies. They have a very close relationship they have for many years. Spielberg just came out with a, I don't think it's a biopic, but it's like very closely influenced and based on his life as growing up as a filmmaker uh, called, I think it's called Meet the Fablemans. And uh, John Williams did the score for that as well. So the base, I guess, where I'm going with this, Steven Spielberg is going to be producing a documentary about John Williams. And I will literally go the first night this comes out. If this goes, if this gets into theaters, I don't know. It's a documentary. I don't know how often documentaries come out in theaters, but I want to see all of this. I want to see every piece of his process. So further context, I am a movie score nerd. My Spotify wrapped last week, last week, last month. It was all movie and television scores. I believe, in fact, Ludwig Göransson was on the top five on my top five artists. I have watched a previous documentary about movie scores. It's called Score. I would strongly recommend it, actually. It's amazing. I think it's on Amazon. I don't know if it's Prime, but you can probably pay to watch it for like three bucks or something. And uh, just to give them a plot point, this movie is a is a story about how composers use their skills to, to get laid. It's 
It's excellent. Yes. It's actually about how they uh, rob a bank and get that one big score. But no, it's, it's, it features a bunch of composers. John Williams, there's actually a section about John Williams and Steven Spielberg instantly. They're talking through the music for E.T. And you see kind of how his process works. And he's literally talking to a director and playing things and saying, is this kind of what you would want on a piano? He's done the same thing with George Lucas. I've seen footage of that. And I want two hours of that. Like, it, please give me that. It's very fascinating to me. Let's just go around the room as a matter of conversation. Best John Williams movie score. Go. Give me a hot second. I mean, I just named so many memorable ones. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Home Alone, Jaws, Jurassic Park, E.T. By the way, this guy is 90 years old. He like he just turned 90, I believe. I got it. The Olympic fanfare score song. That's a great answer. Bam. That's a really Opening good answer. Opening ceremonies. Ha <laughs> ha. Another thing that he has done. He wrote the freaking Olympics. They were like, this is an international event or all these countries are going to be competing. Who has the most epic sound? And they got, they got Johnny Dubs. That's a, that's a fantastic answer. He also did the Superman soundtrack. You know, da, 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 da. that was him too. If there's like a, yeah, it, I, I've watched entire YouTube video essays about like how the Marvel music, which I actually do like a lot of the Marvel music, but how it's not as good as John Williams and like why it's not as good. It's fascinating stuff. For the record, my answer is Indiana Jones. I think the Indiana Jones soundtrack is a complete triumph. Well, I feel and like I think John Williams captures uh, calling it a cinematic sound is very cliche, but like he was one of the original cinematic sounds. Like he really elevated film scores. And I don't want to knock film scores that came before, but something about a John Williams film score feels momentous. It always yeah. perfectly fits the film TV show event that he is composing for. And it always just feels like a big deal. Like it feels epic. Yeah. It, you know, older movie scores p- before John Williams. And like, if you go back to like the, even the Hitchcock days, like they were very like vaudevillian, like they're, they're very like sweeping, like almost romantical, like big sweeping strings. Like when and like a woman would faint and it was just like very, it feels like a caricature watching it now because John Williams, in particular, I think completely changed the game and made things sound, I think momentous is a very good word for, for, you know, the typical sound of a John Williams score, right? There's entire podcasts about this. Again, like, like for those that don't know, for those who are, are relatively new to the show, it was, what, two years ago that we were lucky enough to interview Greg Edmondson on the show, who did the score for Uncharted and also Firefly. And I geeked out. So you had to know that if there's a John Williams documentary coming out, like I'll, I'll like buy You're it all over me. that. You're all over yeah. it, like butter on bread. He's actually on the documentary. So if you want to see Illegal, check him out. I would love, joking aside, I feel like that would be, I would, that would, you've made it. When, you, when you're like a talking head on any documentary or like any, you know, like on Netflix or like, they'll do like a side, like there's like a true crime story. They do an aside with someone who's like an expert on something. Mm-hmm. Like, or like, like the aliens guy. The, on the history channel that's how you know you've made it it's a certain degree of fame i what want would you like I want them to, be, to be like what would you want to be the expert in this this is perfect just talking about how amazing he is and like what his best scores are and how he how he changed the game you know i think that's probably the only thing i even have a chance to be on a documentary about so stevie stevie spielberg if you're listening call me i'm sorry that i just called you stevie but not that much we're probably never gonna meet john williams is supposed to retire after finishing indiana jones and the dial of destiny which is coming out this summer but apparently he said he's going to be sticking around for a while 
I can't imagine doing anything when I'm 90. He was insane, also but. very recently, and this was something astonishing to me as well, just because of his age. But I remember in like the immediate post-COVID lockdown when things started like happening again, he was doing his own shows, like he would like public performances that you would yeah. sell tickets to. And when I like, cause I was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's got a lot of great music. People want to honor him. You know, it'll probably a great way for him to like, feel like he's connecting with the crowd. And then I saw how old he was and I was like, damn, get it, John Williams. She I believe that. he, I'm pretty sure he does things like once a year. I believe he does things in the Hollywood Bowl in like the LA area where like they'll like put his like put a movie up that he scored and he'll like play the score live with a big orchestra so yeah he still does like public you know performances and it's so is that like your dream to go out and see him yeah I'd say so I I would also go so far as to say that like it's it's obviously like morbid and horrible that I've thought about this as much as I have but I've multiple times in my life thought like man when that guy when that guy buys the farm I am gonna be sad for like a week it's gonna be he's I a very bright light is going to go out when that happens. Check in on me when that happens, listeners. Hit me up on Twitter <laughs> at OWLady6. Make sure I'm doing okay because, man, he's just the greatest. For what it's worth, this documentary, to give you some, a little bit more detail on that, it's being produced by a number of fine folks. Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, also involved in this production. Ron Howard, you guys know Ron Howard. He's the guy from Happy Days. And I believe Steven Spielberg has also scored some of his movies because he's also a very good director now. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about this other than that I think it's amazing. They don't say where this is going to be like, if it's going to be like a Disney Plus thing or like where it's going to be. Uh, it's being produced by Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin Television. So again, it, it, it might get a theatrical release, at which point I will legitimately go and will probably be sitting by myself in a theater. But I accept that because I am what I am. What's your favorite John Williams score? Let us know at OW Illegal 86 because I'm really, sounds like I might be the only one who cares. But at Online Warriors 1, you can also send something over there. We're, we're sure to see it and I'll be directed to reply. That brings us to the midpoint of the show. And we're going to take a short break as we always do. But before we do that, I would be remiss. Sometimes I think about what led me to first say that phrase. Because I, now I say it like every episode. It's like your tagline. I like it. It feels weird. I think one episode you didn't say it, and I just felt like off. Yeah, for a while. At one point, how is there not an illegal T-shirt yet? That's that's. It actually, I I made it. I made the like the graphic is there. We just it's in the think tank. It's yeah, it's in the think tank. It's it's gonna happen. I'd like to find a new. This is like completely off topic, but for our listeners, baseball. we do have a T-shirt and clothing and like fun store but i'd like to find a new vendor and it's just a matter of doing that shout out to our current vendor they're apparently not that good they're just okay sorry <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're fine but yeah i, I mean the, the fact of the matter is i would be remiss that's at one point i was definitely like i'm gonna i i, I remember what you're talking about and i was like i'm gonna shake it up a little bit i don't want to be the remiss guy yeah I but didn't you know like what? It. i've come around i do want to be the remiss guy i don't want to be remiss because i would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, it's a pleasure, as always. And uh, it's a pleasure shouting you out on the episode. And it's a pleasure having you on the show, which I think is coming up again soon. It's a pleasure having you listen to our super special secret content. Monthly secret segment, monthly vlog that Stephen has access to as a producer on our show. He gets access to those pieces of content. He gets the guest spot that I mentioned, the shout out that I mentioned. He also gets input into the weekly game which will be happening later. I am not hosting. I, I I plan to win. So again, that is those are all producer level 
credits and goodies for the show. Uh, Steven gets all of those benefits and accesses as part of our night level of support on Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast to check out all the details on that. There's also a squire level of support and a page level of support. The squire gets you access to the secret segment and vlog and the page level gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So again, that's patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Thanks again to Steven. We'll take a short break now and come back to talk about the Avengers. Online Warrior podcast listeners, I want to take a few seconds of your time just to promote Xbox Taverns podcast. It's an Xbox-centric podcast with news, reviews, as well as the five of us talking about all things Xbox. We're from the UK. would love to get in your ears. Search Xbox Tavern on your best podcast app. And you can also head over to XboxTavern.com where we've got our latest reviews as well as some opinion pieces. Go check it out. Now, back to the show. All right. Uh, my glorious day continues. I, guys, I know for a fact, I haven't actually gone back and listened to the tape, but I am virtually certain that way back at, I think it was E3 2019. Yeah, E3 2019. When they first announced Marvel's Avengers and when they showed the first trailer, I was like, this is poo-poo. And, uh, well... We, we hey we got them they're dead they're it's dead god crystal dynamics crystal dynamics has announced that they will no longer be actively developing marvel's avengers discontinuing support on september 30th there's various phases of their like de-supporting of this they're obviously solo content and actually the multiplayer is going to remain available after support ends but they're not going to be putting out any new content they're making all of their cosmetics free it seems like so that's i mean if you're if you're currently in the games ecosystem you're something to be excited for i suppose but yeah essentially this became non non-viable for them they are shifting resources to a tomb raider project which i actually don't know a whole lot about but they basically decided to cut bait and frankly i'm surprised it took, it took them this this long because i don't think this game ever really got any traction it had like pretty not amazing reviews from the get-go not a lot of if anything it had predominantly negative buzz so yeah, I, I think we should we should have a roundtable discussion about the takeaways here and about the larger concept of games as a service. You know, I the closest I ever got to being a part of something like this was Destiny. And even when I was part of Destiny, I was I got in way late. So I wasn't like on the bleeding edge of their they were still putting out content, but the, the hype had since passed and it was, I'm sure, a very different environment. I know that this sort of layout is really not for me what i'm wondering is who it's for (laughs) and like is it viable so i'm really glad that you actually brought up destiny with regards to the online multiplayer content type games and the reason why i say that is because destiny really stood on its own as its own unique ip and then you could take a look at avengers and that's a hundred percent you know riding on the coattails of superhero hype and everything that we're seeing in the movies and and it's this massive intellectual property and so you have this, this game studio that's probably out there like oh it doesn't matter what we do with this this is a slam dunk and it really goes to show that it doesn't matter how great your intellectual property is if your game is as you call it poo poo it's gonna be poo poo like that's it destiny was able to stand on its own for so so long and it's it wasn't riding on anything it was just riding on its own merit and that's what these game studios need to understand is that we don't care what 
IP you have it backing up, it's got to be good. Well, I think yeah. one of the things, too, is that as there are more games as a service, you've got kind of two things happening. The first is that you're over flooding the market. I mean, if you go back and you look at like the 90s, like World of Warcraft was a juggernaut. And that was because there weren't many options. If you wanted to play a MMO or something online with your friends that had ever persistent content updates, there weren't many games that you could dip your feet into. You had like a handful of options. That was it. Now it feels like every few months you're getting a new games as a service. And all of these games have the same goal. They want to draw you in. They want to keep you playing. They want to keep you grinding and then leak like new DLC slowly so that you stick around for a really long time, buy new DLC, buy new cosmetics. But they're all kind of cannibalizing themselves because there's so many. And even within the same developers, you sometimes have multiple games as a service going at the same time. And I just don't think you have enough market enough people with enough time to spread out over all of these games as a service. And then it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that makes things even worse because this is like the second point is that, you know, it's not successful right out of the gate. And so if you're not successful right out of the gate, because maybe another games as a service launched and it's taking everybody's attention and you happen to launch too close or it just had a rocky launch and people went away from it, but maybe they would come back But they don't know because these developers, these publishers, they've been shuttering these games. And I know Marvel's Avengers has now been out for a couple years. But when you're talking about, you know, they're saying this game is supposed to be persistent over, you know, the lifespan of a console generation. And then three or four years in, they're shuttering the game servers. Like people don't want to commit then to a new games as a service game that isn't proven because they don't know if it'll be around that long. So then you just have this self-fulfilling prophecy and a cycle of people aren't willing to try new things because they don't know if it'll stick or all their progress will be lost. And there's too many new things. So then people just don't end up playing them and they go back to things like Fortnite or Call of Duty or Destiny and they stick with like the big juggernauts that might not be exactly what they want, but they know they're not going away. And I think it's just a sticky, sticky, sticky situation that we're in right now where there's so many of these types of games. I think Fortnite deserves a pretty good amount of credit. I mean, Fortnite, I'm not a Fortnite player. Let me start by saying that. But like, it seems like a unique and good concept and one that, you know, the premise was fully borne out and the dev was good and it it has good bones. And so you can make a game as a service out of that. And it has longevity. And like you said, people go back to that because they know it's really not going anywhere. Another one that comes to mind is PUBG. But that one kind of died, did it not? I mean, I think I'm sure it's still happening. But the heyday for that one is over because it was it's another one in that same battle royale kind of environment. And it actually might have been before Fortnite or around the same time, but it lacked the longevity. The other recent, I don't know if you'd consider this in the same games as a service kind of environment, but when you think about the microtransactions and the, and the updates they released and kind of the quote unquote seasons, which is one thing that I think goes along with these games. Battlefront 2 was another fiasco in this environment, right? Where they had a very bad release and they tried to counteract it by putting out free updates. And I think the plan was to have like these season passes and season by season content and keep people coming in and and spending money on the microtransactions and it just did not pan out and that was another example of 
yeah, you have Sterling IP, but you just completely misused it. So it's a very, very interesting market. I, I, I agree with your point. It's not what I thought of, of like people might be hesitant to take chances on games like these right now. And maybe that's just fueling the Fortnite fire. Have you guys played Fortnite at all? Because I have not. For like seven seconds. Yeah, I dabbled. I struggled, and this is probably maybe my age, but I struggled with the whole like swapping between shooting people and building things. And building. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know too. Which is the whole premise. It's it's a good premise, but yeah, I I don't have the brainwaves for it. So I'm sure I don't. I haven't tried, but... It might be too. Like I've seen people be more successful when they play it on PC because obviously with a keyboard, you have more buttons at your disposal and you have like five fingers on each hand and you can multitask. But when you're playing with a controller, you really can't do that. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's better on PC, but I've played it very, very minimally on console and couldn't just couldn't do it. How could they have gotten Avengers right? You know, can we do, is there any autopsy that is worth performing on this? I mean, is it as simple as people were, people, there's a lot of people like me who were maybe thrown by the fact that the characters didn't look the way that they were thinking they would look. And I really think timing was everything on this. And it's not for what the reason that you just said. It's really, we've kind of started to hit this, this downward slope of people being superheroed out. So if they were going to release a game like this, this should have been really probably seven years ago when it was like at its highest hype. You then had a point where now people are getting superheroed out. You then decide to release this game. And that said, Guardians was critically acclaimed. I was about to bring that up, yeah. So that was a good game. So that can stand on its own merit and not need the hype. But this game was not flushed out to the same level that Guardians was. And so... You really needed that hype if, if we were to have this game stay the same. That said, in order to improve it, well, there's your answer too, right? Take something more akin to what was done in Guardians and just use that. Well, I think they had a good idea. The idea to pl- be able to play co-op with your friends and go through a story and play as different superheroes. I mean, we saw gotham knights come out and they tried to do something very similar with a more limited scope and granted it ended up being kind of like lukewarm in terms of how critics received it we haven't played it over here i don't think you've played it either right illegal no do you guys own it i don't even know but like from what i've heard the reviews weren't great but like people had fun playing it but with avengers i think they had too big of a scope like they had basically were trying to get you to play online persistently for a very long time and i think if they would have narrowed it down to a 12 to 20 hour experience that you could co-op with friends and then try different storylines as different superheroes without this online component i think that maybe would have been a tighter experience and people would have been a little bit more receptive to it I think a, a through line too, and, and again, drawing attention to the Avengers, I, I don't want to call it a fiasco, but the Battlefront 2 fiasco and this kind of failure is, I, Nerbomber, I know you're a huge proponent of double A games and like I love them. things that don't have the shiny IP, like Fortnite. Yeah, they, they have IP now and that they have like these seasons that come out, like they tie in with like pop culture in various ways. And I don't, I don't fully understand, to be honest with you. But when it started, it was nothing. It was, it was probably a trip. Like it was, was it a double A? Was it an A? Like, I don't even know. Like, you know, it was Epic Games. So like, I presumably they had a little bit of fire behind it. It was polished, but definitely not like a triple A experience. I mean, it was a free to play game. Right. So I, I guess if I were to see a game 
at game as a service succeeding i don't know that it would have some big giant ip behind it you know it just doesn't seem like that it seems like that might not be the formula right now but i don't know i could be wrong game developers prove us wrong yeah I, I, games as a service just aren't something that i'm super interested in i'm more interested in like you said offline non-micro transacted single player experiences and granted the time i had in destiny i had a, i had enjoyed a lot but i honestly do think it might have been because at that point kind of the active development on destiny was kind of winding down i know they're still doing things but it the heyday was over when i got there i think that might have been an important part of why i liked it so much so and i mean i will say i am glad that they're keeping the game around because we have seen other games as a service do you guys remember when we had a battleborn phase i think we all played the demo together i can't remember we did yeah yeah. And that game completely went away. And that that's one of the trends that does scare me about all of these games as a service games is that, you know, if it's completely online, it might just up and go away someday. And that's it. Well, that that is, you know, and that's part of it for me. And I, I think there's a lot of reasons why I enjoy single player experiences more. But like when I buy a game, like I'm, I, I plan on buying the Dead Space remake. And when I buy that, I'm going to be holding that disc in my hand and I'm going to know I'm going to know what I have, I guess. It, it's like, I and granted, in that case, I especially know because I played the original and the remake's going to be very similar. But like, I I want it to all be laid out in front of me. I don't want things to be hidden behind microtransactions. I don't want things to be hidden behind upcoming updates that are supposed to make it better. I just, give me a finished product. Like, the, the line is easily blurred there. Like, I know Call of Duty is a monolith now and, and they're putting out new things all the time. But the core experience, you still kind of know what you're getting with Call of Duty. So for me, that might be part of the mental block too of like, I want to, if I'm going to pay $70 for something, I don't want you giving me something that they're like, okay, here's the base game, but like, there's going to be so much more and it's going to be so much better. But for now, here's this. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I guess there's an element of that for me that maybe I'm making up, but. You want a full experience out of the gate. Exactly. You heard me, game developers, make it happen. Yeah. Avengers, RIP, gone, but not forgotten. I don't know. I could, you know six we'll months forget about it this, this this game will cost ten dollars maybe i'll be in a GameStop and i'll buy it and play through the single player what the heck it's entirely possible we're gonna move to what are you up to and it's a big this, one this, this is a big week i mean so, so so my what are you up to we've been continuing with home renovation so i'm not i don't have much to say on that front but we've watched two episodes of the last of us we, we i mentioned this up front at the top of the episode i know we want to talk about this so i, I just like my overarching the main thing I want to say is just how happy I am. So far, two episodes in, without getting too deep into like spoilers or anything, it has so met my expectations and in a lot of ways exceeded my expectations and in very, very few ways not met my expectations. It's just been, it, it's been what I've asked for from so many other things. You know, you those who have listened to the show for any amount of time know how annoyed I was even when the Uncharted trailer came out. Then I went ahead and watched that movie and I was just more annoyed. And this is so the opposite of that experience. They, It feels like they know, they know a couple of things. They know that the story that the original game tells and the way that it tells it can live as a television show and a successful one. And they also know what players of the game and fans of the franchise want and they're giving it to us. Like that's, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of thought that has gone into various aspects of the show. I mean, th- th- there are certain parts of it, and I, I don't want to get too far into spoilers, so I'll try not to, but there's at least one sequence from each of the two episodes now where you can tell they they wanted it shot and they wanted the feel of it to be, you're, it's, you're playing the game. Like, there are certain scenes in this show cityscape it's not even a spoiler just cityscape that's city, all I need cityscape to say. it's the attention to detail 
Like yes. there are shots that are almost one for one scenes that you see in the All, game. Exactly. And almost one for one. So close. And that's like ugh, just my heart's so full. <laughs> it's like I just oh gosh. And like Sorry, it's go not on, it's I, not the entire episode too but it's just enough where it's like you paid attention and i mean i'm sure it helps that you have one of the game writers also co-writing and co-directing this show because i mean i think we've seen a lot of times in adaptations you know the original creator of the content or ip is like advising but isn't necessarily in the weeds and in this case neil Druckmann, he is very heavily involved and even i don't know have you guys listened to the companion podcast after the episodes I haven't yet. I, yeah, you recommended it to me. I haven't gotten around to listening to it yet. I assume it's... Because what I was going to bring up is... And one of the nice things HBO does, well, I think with all their shows, I know they did with The White Lotus, is like after the show, after the credits roll, they're like... They give you a five-minute little featurette on like, for this episode, we had to do this and that, and here's how we went about doing it, and here's how much we cared. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of it is posturing, but it comes across as they very genuinely do care, and they are delving very deep into the lore and as an as an example again not much of a spoiler because you know they're going to show up at some point in episode two we see clickers for the first time and faithful the little feature, so faithful yeah and the little feature at the end is and they're talking about and i think neil Druckmann in particular says like we know that we have to get this exactly right like the, it, this is one of the most important things and so here's how here's how we went about doing that and and, and look there are you know there are certain elements that they have changed and uh one example that again they brought up at the end of this last episode there's no spores they 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 did away with that for for reasons that seem very legitimate and they've replaced it with something else that i'm not going to get into because it's spoiler a little spoilery but on top of that they're also i thought the first scene from episode two was really good the first scene from episode one was also really good in that the part that you don't really you know you you learn things through picking up letters and, and various documents in the game those things are being represented now visually you know in the first scenes of each episode you're getting some more context into how this happened and i think oh, that's yeah, probably going to be something fantastic. that continues and i think it's going to continue through maybe every episode of this season that's what it seems like they're going to be trying to do so and uh i, I yeah. kind of want to like give a little caveat and i know it's a new show and stuff, but I, I would like to take like maybe five to 10 minutes even to say, Hey, this is the spoiler section now of our discussion. And if you don't want to hear about the spoilers, you can keep on scrolling forward to the rest of the episode. We have timestamps everywhere, but this is kind of like a last warning. Cause I, I have some spoilerific questions and discussions that I'd, I'd like to bring. Yeah. Up. So first of all, in the beginning of episode two, I thought that they did a really great job. Like you said, you can't, obviously have joel and ellie reading scraps of paper throughout the series like that's just not something that you can do but the way that right. they introduced i believe it was in jakarta the beginning of yes I, I don't know if it, it would be a fungal pandemic i guess we can call it i think bringing in the professor of mycology if I believe that's how you pronounce it yeah. and her reaction i think it was a great piece of writing i think it was a great piece of acting the gravitas oh, yeah. of, you know, pointing out and kind of even building the world that you see once you get to Joel and Ellie. I mean, the professor basically broke down when she heard that it had already kind of spread to unknown amount of people. They didn't know where it had started. And she was just very and solemnly she just said, like, bomb, and she said, bomb she everybody. Bomb. Yes. Yeah. 
that 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 part was really good. The other thing I wanted, I, I loved, and it was man, like five minutes into the show, in the first scene of the first episode, when they're in that little talk show environment, and John Hanna, who I love by the way, he's an actor. He's from The Mummy. I was so right away. I was like, this is the best. He's talking about you know cordyceps and various other fungi and how dangerous they are and you know the, the it's a very good way to provide exposition because the talk show host is asking this scientific expert questions right and he's saying he's asking questions that the audience is themselves asking and big question here is okay if these are so dangerous why haven't they you know killed us all yet and he says well they can't survive in certain temperatures if the temperature were to rise a certain number of degrees and i was like i lost it i was like this is so great because it's that's so context it was too re- like it, it i'm not sure it's provided me. by the game either i'm not sure they, they mentioned that in the game yeah and, and it, it's it, that's the thing about it is this whole thing it's so it's it's viscerally scary in a lot of ways especially because of what we all just went through you know in the past few years but like it's it's that it feels like it's that dialed to 11 right because it's you know there's and they're very clearly in again in both episodes they're very very clear no vaccine (laughs) it's not a thing no medicine not a thing it's like this is doomsday shit at its at its very heart and so you know right away at the end of that scene in episode one bam you roll the credits they have the original music which again I was like, Great from decision. that point on, I, I mean, was like, they there can was do nothing wrong whatever with that they want. Score. You know, like there was nothing wrong with that score. There's no, no reason to change it because it was perfect for the game. It obviously will be perfect for the TV adaptation. You know, there's no reason to touch that. No, it, it's it's just, I, you know, and I can't say enough about Pedro Pascal in particular through, through the first two episodes. Man, the, uh, the scene, I think, yeah, we're in the spoiler section, so I can say, and also this is like right away, but... When his daughter dies, it's, it's intense. And again, it, it, like that whole, I was ready for it too. Like I'm, I'm, I know what it's about. I know how the game starts. I'm assuming this is going to start a similar way. So that whole first 20 minutes to half an hour, episode one, I am, I am clenched up and I'm braced for it and I'm ready and I'm prepared in various ways. And it's still like, it just, man, does that whole scene and that whole sequence hit. And that, like you said, there's a lot of one, one to one shots in there of like, this is exactly how I played it. And uh, are you nervous? Man, it's just really powerful. Are you nervous that it'll kind of pitter out? So episode one, fantastic. First half episode two, fantastic. Second half episode two, not as great as episode one. Still great, but not as great as episode I'm, one. Are you concerned about the changes? Because I feel like a lot of people did not love the changes in the second half of episode two, particularly I mean, like, in my discussions, the uh, shout out to fungal the, makeout. Sh- yeah, shout out fungal to the, out, yeah. the infected fuckboy. Like, that dude's, that dude's trying to smash. I, I personally have kind of mixed feelings. So, again, this is a spoiler section. In the game, Tess is bitten. It's the same bite location. Kind of all happens the same way. And when they get to, I don't even know what building that is. Um, the estate house when they get to the estate house they're met by fedra there is a fedra kind of like a stakeout because they knew that's where the fireflies were so they're staking that building out waiting for whoever was coming there to meet them and so she basically sacrifices herself knowing that she's already bitten so that joel and ellie can get away in this adaptation instead there's no fedra it's basically they've now established, and this this is kind of the interesting change. And I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this too once I finish laying this out. But 
Now, so they've kind of deviated from how the cordyceps acts in the game. In the game, it's all spore transmission. Obviously, as we mentioned before, they changed that because they don't want the actors in masks all the time. But instead, now they're all kind of interconnected. And that's not how it was in the game. So like if you stepped on something, all of the interconnected infected will know even from a long ways away through the fungal network that you're there and they're going to come for you. So that happens. And Tess, who has been, decides to sacrifice herself. And instead of, you know, seeing it off camera, we get a very big close up. She basically lights the place on fire. But before she does that, one of the infected comes and basically the tendrils are coming out of his mouth and he locks lips. And it, that's what we see. They, she like makes out with her and the fungus transmits. Yeah. And so, so I like the idea of the connected fungi. I think there that's a really good way to make it differentiate from other zombie movies and TV shows, especially since you don't have the spore transition transmission. But the fungal makeout was disconcerting. I think that was the point, but it was disconcerting. It was a little... I don't know if I want to say gratuitous. So first of all, I agree, Tectic, that I think episode one was on balance better than episode two. I think episode two is really good. I think the fungal makeout scene struck me as unnecessary, especially considering that they then all died like two seconds later <laughs> but like it i guess what i'm getting at i don't know that we're gonna see that again it, it seemed like a big wow moment but I, I feel like it'd be strange if we saw it again and it might not have the same sort of gravitas as it as they wanted to have in that moment as far as the underground network goes you know i i think approaching something akin to a, a hive mind is what i'll call it like i think it's great because it always keeps the stakes high the kind of geography of it changes a lot in that if you're not close to the infected it doesn't mean you're not in danger at all times right i, I think that's interesting yeah the, the fungal makeout wasn't my favorite thing i i, I think their justification for like fedra is going to be going to play a huge role here and they're going to be back there's no doubt about that i can understand them wanting to make it about the infected at that point rather than fedra but the the, the fungal makeout wasn't it definitely wasn't my favorite thing i'm i'm willing to abide by it i don't i didn't have a huge problem with it but it didn't do much for me i guess it is 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 what I'm getting at. And that was a, a major point of deviation, which isn't why, that's not why it didn't do much for me. It just, as a premise, it, again, it didn't seem like it had a lot of bearing. It didn't rustle your jimmies. Now my jimmies weren't rustled. Now next week, it's it's Offerman time. And that's I think gonna that's going to be... My jimmy, in a positive <laughs> light. Whew. That's going to be something else. I think they're going to be delving into some stuff there again that I, I think there's a lot of backstory with, with Bill that in the game, you have to dig around for. And it is there. But you have to dig around for it. And here it's going to be made a lot more visible, which, I, again, I think is going to please both new fans of this franchise and fans of the game. So I, I think they're headed in the right direction for sure. I wonder how much of that is going to change as well, though, because and again, this is spoilers for anybody who played the game in the game. You know, Bill has his partner frank who you find and he is deceased but it seemed like in the preview for next week frank is very much alive and they also seem like they have a little bit more of a imminent threat of raiders which doesn't really exist as much in the game and we've already seen a few like scene changes things get tinkered around so like for example the flooded hotel that doesn't happen until much later in the game until yes. Pittsburgh. So they kind of move that up. So that leads me to believe that's not going to happen in Pittsburgh. Like maybe they'll skirt through it. So I'm wondering like how much they're going to kind of play around with moving 
certain events into different maybe locations in the story to try to keep things condensed to a nine hour because basically i think there's nine episodes a nine episode window here and so i'm interested to see like how much next week will deviate because so far the deviations now aren't that big of a deal but i feel like it could potentially start to grow as we start getting introduced to more characters and you know seeing what might deviate with bill i'm I'm very intrigued i'm definitely I don't want to say worried. I'm curious about the pacing because I wasn't expecting episode two to, well, I guess the ending made sense to me, but I, I was almost wondering if they were going to get to that point at the end of episode one, because look, I mean, they have a lot of ground to cover in in nine episodes. The, the hotel, you know, when they brought that up, I was, I was immediately thinking, oh man, are we going to get one of the scariest set pieces in the game? you know, two episodes in, I I would think in Pittsburgh, they're going to replace that with something that is hopefully equally. I mean, to me, that's the scariest part of the first game is the basement. Hands down, hands down uh, sequence. So I would think they have plans for that. They're not going to shoot, shoot their shot, you know, this early, but I've, yeah, I have very high hopes. I, I've they they have my full confidence at this point, two episodes in. They they have to do the generator sequence. They have to. They can't not be yeah. there. I love uh, Pedro Pascal too. Again, I and, and Bella Ramsey also incredibly good. They're both amazing. I think I think they're going to be a fantastic nucleus for the show. Obviously, we're going to be with them throughout. And you know, I I do think from a storytelling perspective, and I'll I'll just say this, and then we can move on. But the you know, watching a show is very different than playing a game in a lot of ways. Obviously, but in playing in in watching the show. And in particular, like, let's, let's talk about the clicker sequence, which I thought was very well done. And again, felt very video gamey. But I saw a tweet at some point. I, I try and, like, retweet it or something. Essentially, it said, like, hey, The Last of Us is really great, but I'm surprised they didn't put the scene in there where Joel died 19 times in the first clicker room and <laughs> just tried to get a refund. Like, you know, watching a TV show with Pedro Pascal as the lead character, you know that he's not going to die, right? Whereas in the game, you always might die. Because if you die, you just start again. You know what I mean? So there's there, there's a difference in stakes where you know he's going to be okay. How he be, how he survives it is obviously very interesting and compelling and, and cool to watch. But it is a little bit different. And I would argue, I guess, though, if you have not played the game, if you're not familiar with the story at all, I think HBO shows especially have not shied away from killing off main characters. And I know that they've made him a tentpole, obviously, in all the posters and the advertising because, you know, that's what the game does. And people who've played the game knows he is a tentpole. Him and Ellie, that's what the game is about. But if you're new to this, completely new, you're going in blind, you don't even know that the video game exists, you might not feel so secure in either Joel or well, Ellie making it all the way. I would definitely, I would imagine that certain people were probably surprised to see Tesco so soon because it seemed like she might be a part of this. And and, and, the, and by the way, in the game, it's a very similar situation. You're like, oh, she's, de- she's I've been playing for an hour and she's dead already. So yeah, it, it's it's a fair point. I'll be curious to see how that that blurred line becomes a factor or or becomes less of a factor as it goes on. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's ten out of ten for me so far. They they couldn't be doing it more right in my opinion. Well, yeah, just spo- that this concludes spoilers. If you if you're still listening, you can turn your volume back up, but they wouldn't be able to hear that. <laughs> so I don't know, just t- timestamp this. I'll yeah, I'll turn it over to you guys. I, I have I have nothing else to update on at this point. I think I'm going to be getting into Returnal starting maybe next week, but I'll I'll give another update on that when I can. So over to uh, Nerd Bomber. What do you got going on in your life? Uh, mine's going to be a quickie because I feel like you know a lot of my discussion was also The Last of Us, but I got Nintendo Switch Sports, which is basically the spiritual successor to Wii Sports, and 
It's a lot of fun. Not every sport that we Sports had that you loved is on there. For example, baseball is very conspicuously missing, as is boxing. And I think those are two very fun ones from Wii Sports. But they have stuff like, you know, your classic tennis, bowling, golf. And they did add a few new ones. Badminton, I don't quite understand. Like, it's not different enough from tennis for me to really deserve a place in the title. Like, it's fine, but I'd rather just play tennis. But the star of the show for me is uh, volleyball, which is surprisingly very well done. It automatically like switches your character between like front and back row. You're playing 2v2 and it actually has you going through like the motions of bump set spike and you're making like bump set spike motions with your switch controller and it's actually quite fun and especially when you play online or even play at the hardest mode against the bots very surprisingly competitive and I won't call it a decent workout you're not getting like your heart rate up but like you're moving around you're you feel good so having a lot of fun with that I mean obviously you can't go wrong with your classics like bowling and golf and stuff and I know Tactic also likes it I believe it's called Chambara it's basically like a sword you're on this podium above a lake and you have to try it's to great. knock other people off the podium he really loves that so it's a pretty good time really like it I, it's very classic motion control fun big fan so that is me this week very cool yeah i have very fond memories of wii sports so that's a that's a good endorsement tactic so Finish the main thing i want to talk about is it's really been a switch heavy weekend slash week and that is we played kirby and the forgotten lands and i gotta tell you this game, I thought the co-op was going to be kind of lame and it was just going to be like a supporting punchy character to Kirby, but like co-op is pretty darn good. The supporting character, while it doesn't have the abilities as it's a waddle D, while it doesn't have the abilities of Kirby, that character packs a punch. I mean, Nerd Bomber was holding it down in some of the boss fights and I was quite impressed. So shout out to Kirby in the Forgotten Land. It I is, also, I really like to fly as bandana waddle D. It's a good time. She's... I think she's enjoying it, but it might be just because she's playing with me. Aww. And then the other thing All right, is gross. I do want to just give my public service announcement. I did give a tweet to this, but if you have started a novel or, or have tried writing a book on Plot Factory, there's a lot of weird stuff going on on their website. So I posted a link um, in the Online Warriors Twitter on a way to back up your and get onto your Plot Factory account. Maybe it'll get figured out by the time you're listening to this, but just in case, try to get your content so you don't lose it forever. We all work hard on whatever we're writing, even if it never sees the light of day. It's important to just make sure your work gets saved. So please go ahead and check that out and try to save it if it's not too late. Good PSA, good PSA. Awesome. Well, Nerd Bomber, I think you have a quiz for us today. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this week's topic is Aubrey Plaza. Ah, evil hag. That's her Twitter handle. It's not, I don't think she's an evil hag. Smash. The uh, quiz update. Nerd Bomber, one and one. Tactic, one and one. Elite 86, one and one. Ooh, big tie week. This is, this is, this, this, is, this is unbelievable. So there's a lot on the line here. First place and last place are both on the line right now. It's a so good tactic. thing I like peanuts and noodles. I don't understand. Me neither, but maybe we'll get into it. Okay, so. This is Price is Right style. As always, the closest to the numerical answer wins as long as you don't bust, which means you don't go over. And we will let Tectic go first so Illegal gets a little bit of a benefit since he was the big old loser face of last year. And let's get That's into the it. official title. <laughs> big old loser face. 
So one of Aubrey Plaza's best known roles is April Ludgate on Parks and Recreation. How many episodes of the show was she credited on? 41. It's a lot more than that. I mean, there were seven seasons, seven seasons of this show, probably around 18 episodes a season. I'll take her out of one season entirely just because let's go ahead and say 65. All right. So you're both really far off, but Illegal does take this. She was in 124 episodes of the show. Yeah. I, I, I went conservatively low. Doesn't surprise me. And uh, I'm on the board. All right. So with that, in what year did Aubrey Plaza have an appearance in Funnier Die's All-Star Bowling Trick Shots? I can't say I've seen this, but Funnier Die, the heyday of Funnier Die was like... It was a heyday. There it, was some it was good the aughts. We're talking about the aughts here. This is pre-Parks. I'm going to say 2006. 2007. Tactic gets it and he uses his plus one in the process. It was 2012 alongside the likes of Adam okay. Scott, Craig Robinson, John Goodman, and more. Lots of trick shots. Tied in the game to break the tie. This is very exciting. If, you, if, you, if, you're, like, if you're not on the edge of your seat now, there's something we can do for you. It's neck and neck. Plenty of peanut oil. So Aubrey Plaza was in a movie that I really enjoyed, Safety Not Guaranteed. And it was a quirky comedy featuring her, Mark Duplass, and Jake Johnson. And it was basically about a crazy man who put an ad in the paper looking for someone to time travel with him. Been How- there. Yeah, right? Haven't we all? How much did Safety Not Guaranteed make on opening weekend in North America? This was $6 million. It's way lower than that. This was an indie movie. I'm just going to say $1. The $1 move worked out for you. It only made $97,762. Very 7,000? Yes. Like like less than like what a home cost? It probably op- it was probably on like five screens. I mean, this was a very under the radar movie. Never seen it, but I've heard it's amazing. You haven't seen it? Yeah, you should probably watch that. It's it's pretty good. So, currently Illegal is leading 2 to 1. Now, Aubrey Plaza, who, you know, has kind of of rising star again because of her latest role in the white lotus recently hosted saturday night live how long is the youtube clip containing her full opening monologue oh man i you know i almost watched this because she touched she she got like a message from joe biden or something i think because she's from delaware i don't know the details are we, ta- are we do you want the number in seconds minutes like, do i need seconds. to translate Minutes and seconds? Okay. I don't know how long these typically are. I'm going to say four minutes and 34 seconds. This was 250 milliseconds. Put that in Put that in real Microseconds. time. Microseconds. What? Z- Just say one second. Dude. Zero time. This was like, she went, Bruh! Okay. Jesus times. No. <laughs> uh, Illegal takes this one and he takes the entire quiz in the process. It was six minutes and 16 seconds. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I will, even though Legal has won, I will go through this final question because I really liked this one. So apparently, Aubrey Plaza was named after the song Aubrey by the band Bread. How many weeks did that song last on the Billboard Hot 100 chart? Nine months. Nine months and one millisecond. All right, y'all busted. It wasn't that popular of a song. It was on the charts for 11 weeks, but... uh. Good times, good times. Yeah, it was just gamesmanship on my part. Oh, mine was just because bread in the oven. This was, uh, but you mean you mean bun in the oven? <laughs> Listen, man. never heard br- <laughs> bread in the yes, oven. Yes, there's a bread in the oven. All right, well, I moved to two and one. Tactic to one and two. Uh, Nerd bomber, you're you're nestled in second place. Next week, I will be hosting, and we'll see if uh, Tactic can 
yeah, I guess he would claim the uh, second place spot from Nerd Bomber. So look, I mean, it's still very early. Obviously, you still got to do a thing. You're I do still have to do a thing. It's a jingle. I'll I'll get right on that. I have some ideas, so you'll be hearing from me and my agent. Yeah. Uh, well, this brings us to the end of the episode. As has been discussed, we're not doing any sign-offs this year. This is it's just it's just goodbye. See you later, and uh, keep on keeping on. Have a great week. If you like what you listen to, you can head to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there, and uh, hit us up on our Twitter handles, as we mentioned previously in the episode. And uh, we'll see you next week. And stay safe and keep on podcasting. <laughs>